0: Welcome. You're listening to The Rest of the Sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper in content and conversation of last Sunday's sermon at Westside in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org.
1: And we are back to the rest of the sermon. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. As we continue in our conversation, the goal of this podcast is to dive deeper into content and conversation from last Sunday's sermon. And so we're diving in in the series Memento Mori. And we've got a full house. Uh, Miss Nikki is here with us. And hey, ladies guys. and gentlemen, back like cook crack, <laughs> Mr. Tyler Saxon, ladies and gentlemen.
0: <laughs> Hi, everyone.
1: <laughs> Hello. Did you say, Cooked crack? Yeah, it's a rap line. Okay. It's a rap. (laughs) Fat Joe.
2: I can't. Kind of I can't. Drum roll. He's
1: back. So. <laughs> we can.
0: We got this on here. Hey, hey I'm there back. It's right. nice to see everybody. What are we doing today? It's bright and sunny. Twelve forty-three p.m. on a Tuesday afternoon. I'm no, just kidding. It's good.
1: Well, it's good. It's good to be back. Yeah, man. It's good to have you. Why don't you give an update to everybody as to where you've been? Yeah. what's gone down? All that good yeah. stuff. Yeah.
0: So we took twelve weeks and we just went to the Bahamas. That's <laughs> it. I'm just. He's kidding. got such it. a great tan. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so several months back, um, last year, like September, October, diagnosed with a wasn't like nodes or nod. Or anything like that. It was, it was a cyst that was within my right, my left vocal cord. Um, so normally, like they're kind of half on it and then half on your vocal folds or somewhere in your trachea or before then or something. But this was completely, almost like, yeah. You wrap a hard candy, right? And the wrapper is your vo- vocal cord. And so went in for a surgery, and uh, they said everything went great. Um, they knocked me out, and I, it was really funny. I remember. Getting some feel good drugs uh, that they kind of like what the penultimate thing they do before they actually put you under. And I was the
2: champagne in the vein. Yeah, that's what he said. He (laughs) said he actually said that. He said a little
0: champagne in the vein here, and then we'll knock you out when you get back to the room. And I was back in the surgery room, and I remember looking around, like, dude, this is nothing like what you see on Mm -mm. TV. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had surgery when I was in high school once on my hand, and that room was different, but this was like. This felt alien. Like the wow. room was strange. And yeah. uh, I remember people asking, Where's this? Where's this? And some guy asking me, he's like, So like what do you do for fun? And I was I was don't even remember what I said. Sure, I just fell sure. asleep. Woke up and some lady was, like, trying to shove a juice box in my mouth. <laughs> hmm
1: Isn't and it uh, funny that for those people in that room, that's just Tuesday for them? <laughs> right. Like, that's, yeah. yeah, that's just work. Well, no one told you know?
0: her that I had vocal cord surgery. She ah. was just in the recovery room where you come out of anesthesia. Gotcha. And so she was like, how are you feeling? And I was like, good. And she's oh, like, man. and someone came by, he can't talk, don't let him talk. Yeah. I saw so, uh, so the doctor walk by, and he was like, you did great, but I didn't have my glasses, and he was a blur, like, halfway across the room. And- <laughs>
1: such so, a situation. So yeah, several weeks of
0: recovery. Um, I think we're almost a month into recovery now and I can talk a little bit more.
1: And um, now your voice is four octaves yeah, higher. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that crazy? I, I can
0: sing the frequency in a dog whistle. Yeah. Woo, I'm just kidding. I can't do that. Yeah. But, but everything's normal. Yeah, everything is good. I'm, good. I'm, I'll basically have to kind of relearn how to sing like extra low registers that I used Johnny to. Johnny Cash. And then like higher pitch stuff. I'm just, because there's no telling how long that thing was there. Yeah, sure. And he's like, you could have learned that could have helped you to learn how to sing certain things and so now you just have to learn it again
1: so, interesting
0: so yeah but we're all good good report good. i go back for Yay. one final scan in like a month so, nice yeah awesome man yeah so thanks for having me back yes. it feels weird being in this room right in the roadcaster here and seeing i love you guys. it guys but so i'm gonna kind of walk us through we're still in memento mori we remember are. your death which has been a really awesome series um if there's been, been one intense. takeaway for you guys so far, especially you, Jason, you don't know what any of the series is about. So I'm just kidding. Right. Like, like what, what, uh, what's one huge takeaway for you guys? Either you've heard from somebody or something that impacted you on a Sunday as you were hearing it or, Jason, even as you were speaking it or preparing for it.
1: Yeah, I think primarily that most of the time... I I don't know what a series is going to do. Yeah. And and so and the series changes a lot as you're teaching it and studying it. This one I was pretty confident that this will get a reaction out of people. I didn't know which one it would get. Yeah. I thought a lot of people would be like, "Blah, this is like uh, you know, yeah. why are we de- there's a skull on the graphic and like this that and the other." But I've been really surprised with people going, "Wow, I really want to talk about this," yeah, and like really engage in the conversation. That's and plus, awesome. I mean, the topics that we're hitting are really fun, and people have questions. Oh yeah, they're about, super fun. Yeah, you yeah. know, um, but but the death Party aspect, right there. yes, the death aspect to people, I think, is has been an invitation so yeah. it's been interesting if you want to
0: have fun at your next party just talk yeah. about this series Let, just yeah. put it on for the group of people <laughs> balloons will yes. help yeah. set the mood by the way the graphic is like it's not cheesy like, you know, like smart no. marketing the guys in them they've done a fantastic I know that's not what you were saying sure like, sure like I think the, uh, this is one of my favorite logos and artwork that we've had commissioned for I think a so. series it's really cool you mean yeah.
2: other churches don't play knocking on heaven's door <laughs> on Sunday morning well not
0: on Facebook they don't I'm we sure hit don't. that don't. mute because i about that copyright stuff do, man. do
1: you know who's getting more Traction than knocking on heaven's door now is there's Jordan Peter if you're not if you don't watch the service we show a little trailer bumper that like intros the series and the sermon and in this one it's a snippet from one of Jordan Peterson's lectures mm-hmm. yeah and so I had like three like every Sunday somebody will come up and go so do you listen to Jordan <laughs> right, Peterson yeah. that was Jordan Peterson right that's Jordan Peterson text me
0: he was like Jordan Peterson huh yeah <laughs> I was like yeah yes cool. yes uh, what about you right? Nick
2: um I really. Um, coming from the kid world yeah, right. into, hey, let's talk about death because Tyler's going to be on mute. I'm like, okay, <laughs> sure. Um, it's been a lot of fun because of the conversations. Mm. Yeah, These aren't, like, this isn't dinner party conversation that we have, but yeah, hearing people really dig yeah. and it's forcing yeah. them into these conversations and they're wanting to. They're mm. like, I've got questions and some my questions are very practical, but people sure. are sending me yeah um, on hey wait a minute, what is this? Hey sure. what is that and it's yeah. they're eager to learn it's yeah really that's good. really
0: awesome. A couple things for me um, number one, like to hear people sing in response after hearing the weight of the truth of how Jesus defines these things in the scriptures, to hear people's voices raised and lifted high, and taking communion together has been my favorite part, but my mm. my most favorite part, and I think all of us, we've said multiple times over the last several weeks, is the salvations yes. that we've seen yeah. in response to this. and yep. like we, How many people, was three last week, and then how many of the seven yeah. the week before? Five the week before, Five the with week a total before. of seven the past yeah. two weeks at Westside. that incredible, man. So. Like, so that has been a fantastic journey. I mean, that's
1: so. the natural application, and yeah. like— It's the tension in the series of by remembering our death, we renew our life. And so the gospel is presented like... This is a reality, and yeah. eternity is real. So you need to make a decision in regards to that. But it also affects life now. Eternal life begins now, yeah. and so yeah, it's been beautiful, really That's good. Awesome.
0: Well, we went through. We, we're, we're in kind of a one to two to three part section. Like we're <laughs> we're in part two of where do I go when I die? Yeah. Uh, so next week will kind of be a part three of that. But we're in sort. We sort of kind of redid a, a subline there of part one of what happens. Yeah. I'm sorry. Where do I go when I die?
1: We've yeah. What I changed the question back. last week and did an audible. So Yeah,
2: which and is great. And so if you don't hear your question asked this week, no, it's coming. It yeah. Is,
1: well, also, in terms of
0: questions, before we dive into content and yes. conversation, um, thank you guys for sending questions <clears throat> to Nikki Mauser. Yeah. yeah. Nikki has been getting questions I for us. It. And one thing we want to reiterate and to kind of put out there, you can also send questions Anonymously yep. to info at westsidepb.org. When you send those in and we open those up, we uh, unless you write your name in there, we don't know who it's from. We can't right. see your return email address unless we do the hard work of finding the original server. Right. So that comes to us anonymous. So send that to info at westsidepb.org and ask all of your questions that you're embarrassed about yep. or yep. feel are inappropriate and we no. will answer them here. <laughs> you so. can
2: keep sending them to me. I may call <laughs> your name. No, I, I won't. love
0: it. That's <laughs> so great. Well, let me uh, let me read the text from this week, um, this past week. Uh, really, really awesome um, slash parable slash truth. Got some questions about maybe some of the characters in here for today. Yeah. We're in Luke chapter 16. I'm reading from the ESV. This will be verses 19 through the end of the chapter. Listen to these words. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Mm. Thanks be to God for his word. Man, this was a sobering passage and a a sobering text. (laughs) I want to take some time and kind of unpack um, Sunday, maybe go a little further than we were able to with time and just ask some practical questions. And, Nikki, you got a slew of questions, too.
2: Uh, my people, um, my questions that yeah. come from some of the people are very practical. Yeah. Cool. So,
0: yeah. Well, Jason, you opened up with a, an illustration about like preparing for a family trip to Disney World. Yeah, right. Is it it's Disney World, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, That's the yes. One. Disneyland yep. is the California one. Which Correct. Is, which is less cool, apparently. apparently. I think so. I think so. So, open it up with that illustration, YouTubing, preparing with. Um, Um, an ambassador and someone to help set the trip up, looking at brochures and all of that stuff. And you said you had a moment where you asked, do I know more about the destination and the descriptions of Disney than my eternal destiny? Yeah, man. Like you reworded our question last week from what happens after we die to where do I go when I die? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's where we, once I started studying the passage, I I realized, oh, okay, we we looked at the rich man and Lazarus and we really compared the common denominators your body dies, your soul goes back, there's kind of a judgment, and then there's a destination. And I realized, oh, now we're into describing the destinations. And so, yeah, it flipped to now, where do I go? And obviously, this is a good parable and by far the most descriptive of a destination that Jesus uses in regards to Hades, hell, and those sort of distinctions.
0: Yeah, well, using that illustration... And, and changing up that question, like, do you think, because I think it's a common, I think it's a question that is pervasive through sure. Christian culture. Do, like, do we strive to know more about something tangible here rather than what will be tangible for eternity? Absolutely. Do you think the average Christian today is ignorant or, like, unaware of our eternal destinations? And if so, like, why?
1: A hundred percent. I mean, I think just a cursory reading of the New Testament the Apostle Paul and these people use it as a constant motivation yeah. to for the people who are suffering. This, etern- this light momentary affliction is working for us in paling in comparison to the eternal weight of glory, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans. Yeah. I mean, like it was your eternity was the motivation for your suffering hmm. here on earth. And I think we live really comfortable yeah. mm-hmm. and we really love Hallmark and whatever 23 Minutes in Heaven book yeah. has been released and it kind of comforts us a little bit. But in regards to going, what has God said in the Bible about my eternal destination mm. is by far Christians on average in the West are immensely ignorant of that.
0: Yeah. Well, i pulled up some numbers here. I went to uh, pewforum.org, which is a really fun website if you want to look f- um, for results from Pew Research Center. These are from, la- like, no- like, the Christmas time last year, yeah. November of 2021. These are—this uh, is sort of the summary. More Americans believe in heaven than they do in hell. And here are some of the stats. Out of all United States adults, U.S. citizen adults, 73% believe in heaven. And only sixty per sixty two percent believe in hell. And if you you can even drop down here into the the Christian realms, um, if you identify as Protestant, it's ninety three percent of of them believe in heaven, eighty four percent believe in hell. But then under that Protestant wing is evangelical mainline and historically black churches. And under the uh, evangelical, it's it's the highest of the three. Ninety six percent believe in heaven, ninety one in hell. But then you move to mainline. That's 88% believe in heaven and only 69% believe in hell.
1: I have an interesting argument for that that I'll keep to myself.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I really don't understand it. Like when Tyler was telling me these facts earlier, my mind kind of exploded and broke a little bit. sure. How can... You believe in one? I just, I don't understand. Well, to me, it's like, I well,
1: mean, I can. The I
0: difference can. between Republican and Democrat here, too. <sighs> like, if we want to get in that realm, Republicans who are who, leaning Republicans are 85% believe in heaven and 75 in hell. Mm-hmm. And then Democrats, it's 64 and 52.
1: I mean, I can give you the, a little bit of an answer, Nikki. And it's, when's the last funeral you went to in someone went to hell.
2: True. I mean, yeah, everybody becomes... Nobody ever... I mean,
1: so every funeral, working part-time at a funeral home, I never have heard a funeral where there was grief or where there was anything in regards to that person's eternal destiny. Also, Jesus said that broad is the path that leads to death and narrow is the path that leads to life and few find it. Yeah. And so a very famous quote is when we get to heaven, we'll be very surprised as to who is there and who's not there in that sense. And I don't know how true that is as to we'll focus as to who's not there. But, I mean, Jesus said that, like, this is something that's not popular. And so, of course, it makes sense. Well, (laughs)
0: uh, it's striking to me that almost a quarter of evangelicals and mainline Christians don't believe in hell. Right, Almost 25% um, is on the other side. And so with those numbers, like, I want to ask the question – why is it important that we know and believe what Jesus spoke to us, or at least give attention to it, in regards to what happens to us after our bodies die? Yeah. Like, why is it important? Like, wh- why do those num- Why are those numbers shocking? Why isn't it hundred? hundred?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say, at a very elementary level, it's sad because it's only three quarters of the story. So nobody yeah. goes to a movie and walks out before the end. And what we're saying and what we're studying is the finality to the story. The new heavens and the new earth, the resurrection – all of that. And we are so earthly minded in this sense that we just really think that what's happening now in our little finite lives are the end all be all. And so it's it's sad to me because you're not getting the full picture. You're not getting yeah. the full story of creation, consummation, and all of those things, you yeah. know?
0: man. Well, you moved us into some context, um, and we and we looked at these words, heaven and Hades, Yeah. Hades, and so we broke down some of the subwords of that. Um, but before we before you got into that, you talked about the importance of how often Jesus talked about hell, yeah. Hades, and all of that. And I'm wondering, like, I, I wanted to ask this question because. The gospel is the good news, right? Sure. Like, is something like hell and Hades, does it have a place in a good news story?
1: Mm. Yeah. Or
0: is it just bad news that can be just washed out because it doesn't matter if we're saved? Like,
1: Sure, yeah. I think, you know, the reason why I started with, with Jesus and kept emphasizing, like, this parable is told by Jesus, so the words torment in anguish, Jesus said those words. So number one, you can't now separate, well, I just love and follow Jesus and just want to love people. I'm not going to study that topic because we said that Jesus actually talked and described in detail More about hell than he did heaven. Yeah. Which is, I think most Christians would almost challenge that. They would.
0: How did you break it down on Sunday? You said if I preached in the same categories as Jesus month by month, I would preached this many times on that. What did you say there? Can you say that again?
1: Every month I would have one sermon directly dealing with money and the poor (laughs) and a sermon on (laughs) hell.
2: Everybody (laughs) will be in church then. Every month. And
1: and I think it's significant because to answer your question, Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is at hand and that he is the inauguration of the kingdom of God. And that then Jesus is speaking all about this. And so hell is in these big theological buckets. Think of think of your winter. Okay, so it's springtime right now. And, and, and a lot of us are getting ready to get those um, clothing bins out <laughs> that have our summer stuff, our shorts and stuff in there. And we're getting ready to put our knit sweaters in the Tupperware and put it up. <laughs> this concept of hell and all of this is in a Tupperware or a um, storage container that would be considered an attribute of God, yeah. which is God's wrath, God's justice, God's holiness, yeah. all of that. And so if, you, if we want to understand who God is, this is not all there is to it, but yeah. it is a massive understanding and undertaking yeah. to understand what that is. And so in order for the good news to be good, as Billy Graham said, it's good because something's bad. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's the compare and contrast. And and theologians say that hell and sin and the wrath of God are like the black velvet canvas that jewelers use to show the contrast of the gospel diamond yeah. on. And so we don't understand what we're saved from. If, if we don't understand how serious sin is, and then we look at the cross yeah. and we see that God that Jesus died. I mean, so it's it's an absolute uh, essential to know the totality of the story, yeah, for sure.
0: That's good. Well, all those pre... Pew research numbers were on adults, but Nikki, you're our, you're our kids' side and nursery director. and like, yeah. wh- Where do you think the pulse is on kids these days when it comes to belief in heaven? I mean, it's a reflection of parenting, yeah. but I'm curious as to what you see in your area.
2: I think the kids are going to know more about heaven than they know about hell. Sure. I think they're going to be us as we grow up, and we're struggling with understanding yeah. the concept of hell because... Like right now, we've been in this memento mori this, you know, so many weeks. The kids are not learning this at the same time. Right, right. A lot of times we do walk with you, Jason, through what you're learning. Sure this is a little deeper. We are learning about things. Um, The kids are learning about Abraham and hey, we're going to talk about Isaac and it it has to happen.
1: And and I think what's massively important is that kids start with the goodness of God. Yes, And then from that base, they interpret the justice and the wrath of God in light of God's goodness. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important that for kids to really understand that concept there because for me growing up, I mean, evangelists come into town and it's hellfire and yes. brimstone. Yes. And it was almost like, you know, if you want to accept Jesus right now, if you don't, you'll go to hell without your parents. Do you want to live forever without your parents? Do you? Do you want to go to heaven? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, and this is not, you know, that I think that's why we're seeing massive deconversions and this, yeah. that, and the other, because we don't have a basis of the goodness of God first. That's where it starts. It
2: has to come from a foundation of knowing who Jesus is and what he said before we can start telling, especially children, who age appropriateness matters. We don't want to fear. It's not like an adult. You can look around and make your own choices. Your brain's fully developed. A child can't say the same things in the same way.
0: Yeah. I'm not looking at my two-year-old son and saying, if you disobey me, you're going to go. Look,
2: I, <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Oh God. No, I'm just Demon, be gone. No. Um, <laughs> I came. I remember being that kid and hearing my grandmother quote Revelation. Oh, yeah. Being like nine. I did not know Jesus's love. I did not. I knew he was, you know, he loved us, so he saved us. I didn't know what he saved us from right yeah. except I knew I don't want to go to hell because yeah. that place is awful scary and, yeah. yeah and I,
1: and and I think that's really important and for the parents listening I think the gospel that we present has to be the gospel that Jesus preached yeah. and so for our kids Jesus saves us from sin and death yeah first and foremost yeah that is the that is the kingdom news mm-hmm. now ultimately hell does fall into that but right now our kids need our kids already know death. Yep, They already grasp and understand, oh, no, something can be taken or someone can die. But Jesus came and died, so we wouldn't have to. Yeah. And so I think starting there is really, really important.
0: Yeah, that's really good. Well, you unpacked for us some subpoints of Hades and almost in Hades and hell and some definitions there yeah. and everything. And a sub point A, you said Hades in the Old Testament is sometimes referred to as Sheol. Right. Um, S-H-E-O-L. And in Psalm 6, 5, it says, For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? Yeah. The first time I ever heard of the of sort of the, the difference in the lines between Sheol and Hades and hell, I was kind of confused. Yeah. Um, because it sounded a lot like, like the Catholic idea of purgatory or even sure. the worldly idea of purgatory, like sure. like the Dan Brown books and all of that stuff. But right. like, maybe someone's listening to this and wondering the same thing. How, How is Sheol the same as or different from the idea of purgatory? Yeah,
1: for sure. So, number one, I need to go back to a sermon where I quoted in length and spoke for about 10 minutes and said, what we're talking about is the intermediate state. Now, why is it called the intermediate state? Yeah. Because... If God forbid you were to die and pass away, we said to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Okay, so you pass away, your body expires. If you're a believer, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. The scripture is very vague about immediately the destination of where you go right now, pre the return of Christ. Because everything is heading to the resurrection, meaning the new heaven, the new earth, heaven comes down out of the sky onto the earth. I mean, it's what we pray on earth as it is in heaven, all of those things. All we know right now is that in the Jewish understanding, death, if you picture just a a globe, the whole globe was death. So they just understood that there's death and you die. And there's probably maybe some compartments in death, meaning those who had faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and trusted him went to be with him. That's why it's important that Abraham is the guest of honor because Abraham is at the table, but it's not Abraham's place. So it's a Jewish understanding of who... Who can we say in a survey that would definitely, if they died, go be with God? And all the Old Testament people were like Abraham, right, <laughs> like he's right. the guy. And so that's why it's called Abraham's side to to reassure the Jewish people. So there's, and then when, and we'll get into it this week. When Jesus dies on the cross, he turns to the thief and says, "Today you'll be with me in paradise mm. or the walled garden, yeah. as it said." So the jewish understanding and even in jesus's day it was very vague yeah. we knew they knew that death was this thing and there was this place that you went to either be with god or there was a place where it was the absence of god yeah. and that's kind of where we're getting at and it and it's a little bit difficult because the reason why people think it's purgatory is i said these places are temporary yeah. and here's what i mean by that They are temporary because we are waiting for the return of Christ. Yeah. So Revelation twenty-one and twenty-two, the streets of gold. Yeah. You don't go there immediately when you die. But here's what I can say: you go to where Jesus is at. Yeah. And guess what? That's really good. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. That's like really really great. And guess what? If you're not a believer, you go where Jesus isn't, Mm. and that's awful. Mm. Okay. That's. That's the severity of it. And so purgatory is an understanding that you can continue to work on your salvation and be made right with God after you die. The Bible in no way, shape, or form teaches that. What I'm talking about is that when you die, that is the finality of your soul. There is no second chance. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are with Jesus waiting for his return and the resurrection and the consummation. If you die now as an unbeliever, you go where Jesus is not, and there you wait the ultimate punishment, which is in Revelation, the lake of fire and total justice. So again, man, I I don't want to be splitting hairs because I don't have a ton to back it up. What I mean by that is, is that there's some vagueness. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, the finality is there in the text. It's verse 26. Right. It's haunting. Besides Mm -hmm. all this, between you and us is a great chasm, and it's been fixed that neither of us can go to or from either place in this location, which is sobering. Yeah.
1: Um, So, so again, we just kind of speak in general terms. Yeah. Everyone dies. There's a destination. There's separation. Yeah. There's either eternal paradise, eternal punishment. Yeah. I really like speaking in those general terms a lot more, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, like... Abraham's side, Abraham's bosom, um, Sheol, that's sort of the Old Testament, the Jewish understanding. and Then you moved into the New Testament understanding of Hades and hell, distinguishing between these two. Hades is the the temporary waiting place, and then hell, or Gehenna, as it's translated in the Greek, is the final place of judgment. It says in Matthew 10, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. By the way, um,
1: Jesus said that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We
2: need to constantly keep coming back to that. These are Jesus's words.
1: And And who's he saying to be afraid of? Yeah. He's saying be afraid of God. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's a whole separate podcast. And he finishes
0: with that word hell, which is is translated Gehenna. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about this. There was a book that came out several years ago. um, I think it was called Love Wins. Yeah. And uh, it reduced the idea of hell or Gehenna to a metaphor uh, for where it gets its name from, like, a, a garbage-burning pile outside of the city. Sure. And maybe some people have read that book or or think of it as maybe a, a metaphorical place and not really a real place. Yeah. Um, and if God's love is meant for the whole world, then no one really goes there, but that's sort of a place to remind us that, you know, uh, metaphorically. How is what Jesus describes here in Matthew 10 beyond just a metaphor— yeah. Like, how is Gehenna be? I see you flipping through that, Francis Chan book, which, yeah. which is a baller book. But the Gehenna has a metaphor of a burning trash pile versus a physical place. Yeah. Um, what are so, the differences there and what Jesus is teaching?
1: Yeah. And so I think, you know, what ultimately what that book very famously hit evangelicalism was promoting was universalism, yeah. which sort of says, almost in a way the opposite of what Jesus says. Jesus says broad is the path that leads to death. Narrow is the path that leads to life. Yeah. Universalism flops it and says like, that's really only for like Hitler probably. Right. And then every God's love is so big, everybody else gets in. Um, I would recommend, you know, Francis Chan's book, Erasing Hell, which is an argument to that book. But my question is this, if it is just an analogy then it's worse than what Jesus is describing because Jesus is using earthly illustrations Mm -hmm. to explain something. And he's using a point. Also, the argument doesn't stand up the way that the Greek word is used either through the rest of scripture or in other ancient literature. And then the third thing is this, why don't we say that about heaven? Yeah. We never say that, well, heaven's not real or the being with God for all of eternity isn't real because it's just an analogy. We tend to only implement that train of thought when it's something that's very challenging about hell. And one thing, and we'll get into this later on, but one thing that Tim Keller, who's in New York City and tons of smart people, and he did a sermon on hell and a guy came up afterwards and says... There's no way that you really believe in like these literal descriptions and stuff like that. And Tim Keller says, No, nah, man, I don't think those are literal. I think they're much worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's what Jesus is doing. And so the argument yeah. is very shaky to say that it's an analogy. And yeah. even if it is an analogy, the principle's still true. Yeah. Like the kingdom of God is like a farmer with seed. Was there a literal farmer with seed? No, but the principle is true that the kingdom of God is expanding and growing. So I would just kind of push back on that. And I would also really, I mean, Erasing Hell, there's, there's a few other books, but man, this is something that I even confess Sunday that I struggle with in my theology. It's difficult and it's tough, but I will say this. Another author said that, if you have a God who never disagrees with you and never challenges you, then it is not God that you worship. It is yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So by very definition, if God is going to be God, he has to be other than me yeah. and separate. And so that's just in faith where I sort of just rest that and bow out. That's so.
0: good. That's good. Well, another subpoint here, and and this kind of leads us to the big question that we'll get to kind of at the end of this. But um, so this is kind of good news. Uh, Matthew twenty five forty one. Then he will say to those on his left, "Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels." Yeah. Uh, can we unpack that for a minute? Because I think a lot of people, when it comes to that big question that we'll get to a little bit later, it's like, why would hell even exist? Sure. Why would hell even be a place? If the gospel's good news, um, but the, it's almost like there's a sliver of of good news in there be, of even the origin of why hell was even prepared or yeah, created, because sure. it wasn't for us. Right. And, yeah. and
1: this is the teaching point where I think that you could actually incorporate kids and just say that, you know, that the story of Satan rebelling against God. He wanted to be God rather than worship God. And so what we said Sunday is that hell was created for Satan and demons. It wasn't created for God's creation in regards to humanity and stuff like that. And so I think when we start to introduce these concepts, we introduce them in generalities like that when it comes to our kids because Satan is the embodiment of everything that is evil, everything that is corrupt. And I think it's important to know that God's justice is very important and you know some people might have a con- you know a problem with that but I would say this like do you lock your door at night right well then you believe in a concept of justice yep. yeah why are you keeping those people out at night yeah why isn't your door just open and you let everyone in right but people flip that and they think that on God. Yeah. You know, and so it's the the concept of justice, which we'll get into. But yeah, I think that's really important to know, man, is yeah. that God didn't create this. Like I said, Sunday, God's not Sid from Toy Story.
2: <laughs> I loved that
0: analogy. Jesse turned to me and said, <laughs> he said Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I yeah, he's not it. burning toys with a yeah, magnifying man. glass Jeez. and launching them to, to obliteration on a yes. rocket. Yeah. And then we got into probably one of the more sobering portions of um, the descriptors that Jesus gives for hell, a place of eternal torment in Luke 16, of unquenchable fire and where their worm does not die in Mark 9, where people will gnash their teeth in anguish and regret in Matthew 13 and from which there is no return, Luke 16, and a place of outer darkness Matthew twenty five, man. When we hit that, like, it's very sobering, yeah. and it's al- its almost scary. Yeah, I have um, a
2: question that came from this. Yeah, yeah. Um, they—we have people who want to know which one we identify with the most when we are thinking of hell. Mm-hmm. Um, when you visualize it, yeah. and you think of that, if it is a point two, and it is. Turn away from, why we repent, we want to turn away from the this and towards Jesus. Sure. Yeah. What which one of these areas that Jason described does it kind of resonate with us?
1: I would before we answer that, I would like to challenge too. Oftentimes people say, you know, there doesn't need to be hellfire, brimstone preaching. Yeah. In the book of Jude. It says that we warn people Mm -hmm. so that they could be snatched from the fire, at least a garment be singed. And what that means is we speak strongly with compassion and with mercy to make sure that, like Spurgeon said, that if people go to hell... They go to hell over us kicking and screaming and grabbing at their yeah. feet. Yeah. And so, again, I just think in evangelicalism and in churches in a whole, it's real popular to bash and to, but again, what you said, these are Jesus' words. Yeah. And to answer your question, Nikki, I would say growing up, fire, number yeah. one, was the big one. But for me now in my theology, and things changing it's the darkness yeah ah. it's the absence of light it's yeah. it's now understanding the void of god so if yeah. god is belonging security and significance then hell is the absence yeah. of that and if anybody would love to read probably the best articulation of a fiction aspect of hell C.S. Lewis has a book called The Great Divorce mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's about people waiting in in a bus, and they do a tour of hell, and it's haunting, yeah. like in 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 his artistic way. So I would say those two things. What about you yeah. guys?
0: For me, it's it's a combination of the last two, um, from which there is no return, mm. and a place of outer darkness, just the finality of that eternal separation. Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: So we're all kids scared of the dark. We are no different than the kids I teach <laughs> yep. every week. We, yep. None of us want to be in the dark. Um, the no return and the regret for mm, me, yeah. yeah, like those, like uh, yeah. But darkness, absolutely,
0: yeah.
1: There's some people, and I have no scripture. It only comes from this one verse in Matthew 13 of regret because Jesus says that. Um, there are some preachers who have taken the liberty. Okay, let me say it that way. That one of the things that's the most, and they also use the Luke parable, yeah, Mm -hmm. because he is haunted that he can't warn people, right? Yeah, and so it is almost what makes hell so unbearable is that you are watching people fall in. And you can't warn them, but, but you see their life at play. Yeah. And because that's also the rich man and then the regret. I don't know how true yeah. that is. I think that's kind of connecting some stuff that maybe shouldn't connect, yeah. but it sounds awful. It, you yeah. Know, so. yeah.
0: It's, like what the, it's like what the final ghost shows Scrooge yep. at the end of his life. 100%. Well, these things are really sobering and, and they're almost haunting and scary. Yeah. And if God is love and perfect love casts out all kinds of fear, yeah. all fear how is what jesus and we talked about this a little bit with warning but how is what jesus describes here supposed to impact us if it's not supposed to just motivate us by fear mm. what's the motivating factor I, mean, I i i know fear is not the the initial motivation but reading this stuff is scary yeah. <laughs> like yeah. like where's that i don't i don't think it's a balance i think it's a perspective and i'm just wondering how it's supposed to impact us hearing that maybe someone's listening and be like well man that's scary but maybe i'm not, if I'm not supposed to be afraid like sure
1: i think it's you know the fear in sunday school we've really done a disservice and we've said well kids when it says fear god it doesn't mean fear god it right. means respect him nope Everybody falls down as though dead right. in God's presence, yeah. and so yes, there is a level that God is my Father, but there is also a level in respect that that is God. Yeah, the, I mean, the New Testament says that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Yeah, that's the New Testament. That's not even in the Old Testament. Yeah, and so it's this reverence and this otherness that that immense power and majesty and might. Yes, that fear is evoked in that almost. And I do think there's a level of motivation here that what Jesus is showing us is God's holiness and the separateness. And that what Paul says in Romans 1, we have taken sin so lightly because here's how you really change your view of sin is you get a really big view of God. Mm. You don't focus on sin. You focus on the majesty and the beauty and the holiness and the separateness of God. And then you think that that God became a human and died in our place, and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I think that's the main thrust, but I do think there is a level that Jesus in these descriptions there's a moment when Jesus gets up on a hill and he looks over after he's just gone at it with the Pharisees. And he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, would I not have gathered you like a mother gathered her chicks under her wing? Yeah. But you would not listen. Yeah. And he weeps over yeah. Jerusalem. And so I think there is a warning and it's a loving warning. Just like, I, you know, I kind of said Sunday. I I imagine this like when I leave Walmart. Yeah. And I see the missing person signs. Yeah. There's compassion. There's mercy. There's, oh, my God, they're missing. Please bring them home. Yeah. That's what I hear in these descriptions. Yes. Yeah,
0: that's good. Well, the last sub-point we had was really good news. Yeah, man. Revelation 1. I am, this is Jesus, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And... I have the keys of Hades and death. Come on. Man, that is good news. I think that is the response to the question that we've just been asking. Like like if if this is if this is the warning, if this is the fear, then what hope do we have yes. from escaping this or from from living eternally separated from God in outer darkness. And it's Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He has the keys of Hades and Death. And can I speak to that? I, I yeah. think
1: another reason why we hate those descriptions is because it puts us in our place. Yeah. What you just said about where's the hope in this, right? that it reminds us that we are ultimately not in control right? in that sense. But, yeah. dude, I, I couldn't wait till Easter. Yeah. I had to throw that in well, there. Well, can you unpack like, that a little bit? Because, yeah. there,
0: I mean, there there are some, like, legitimate things that, that the Scriptures refer to and, like, maybe, like, what happened to Jesus after he died? Yeah, sure. Where are the keys? Where did he get them from? I mean, yeah. like, can you unpack that for a second?
1: Yeah, so there's a train of thought, you know, that would say, and there's an Old Testament in the Psalms for he the King leads a procession, and then in Ephesians four when he descends, and what does it say? But that he went into the lower regions. Yeah, I don't line up there because that's very vague. Yeah, but from those descriptions, a lot of people in ancient Christianity would teach that those who were pre Christ before Christ's death were in like that holding tank yeah. of Abraham's bosom. And when Jesus died, his soul descended into Hades. He kicked open the door and he freed Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all of these Bo- Old Testament believers and took them into the paradise that yeah. we're mm-hmm. talking about now before the new heaven and the new earth. I'm okay with that. Yeah. that that's fine. Yeah. I just... The scriptures that I read, I, I have a friend who's like, it's right there, dude, Ephesians 4. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, it just said that he descended. <laughs> I think Ephesians 4 says he was buried. Yeah. He descended into the lower regions, that he was physically yeah. buried into the ground yeah. um, and all of that. And so there's some of that. But again, what Revelation 1 is representing and what it's really shattering is this. Number one, guys... Hell is not the place where you go to have fun forever and drink beer. And right. I'm gonna go fishing and drink beer and listen to my Leonard Skinner album for eternity. There's probably no beer you or know. fishing in hell. You know, I don't <laughs> I don't want to go to heaven, heaven's boring. Like <laughs> right. it's not the sinner's paradise. Yeah. Okay. Secondly, it's not this cosmic arm wrestling match between Jesus and Satan. Right. Like, oh no, Satan's kind of winning. Okay, oh, Jesus is almost gone. Oh, Satan. Right. Oh, is, who's going to win in the end? Yeah. Jesus has the keys. Yeah. yeah. That's synonym for he rules and reigns over hell. Yeah. So he's defeated that. That's done for. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: No, that's good. Well, you close us up with three truths on hell hell's real, hell's eternal but it's also avoidable. Thank Gosh, yes, man. It's also avoidable. Jeez,
1: I couldn't get to that fast enough yeah. on Sunday.
0: Well, I want to ask the main question, like the thrusting question that you sort of wrapped us up with, cuz you talked about it on Sunday, but I would love for our podcast listeners to hear this. And it's a question that has we've all heard, we've seen it on social media, we've had conversations with believers and non-believers alike. Sure. How can a loving God send people to an eternal Punishment.
1: Yeah. So number one, I have a problem with the phrase sinned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I've changed my position a little bit on that. But ultimately, my third point is true that hell is avoidable. Yeah. Okay. So when it says, please send someone from the dead to my five brothers. Yeah. What Abraham is saying is, "Please perform a miracle so my brothers can believe." And dude, what Jesus says in the parable, like, I just cannot believe that that this was a is, mic drop that yeah. this is not known as yeah. much. Jesus says he has Moses and the prophets. Yeah. And then the uh, the rich man goes, no, 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 that's basically not enough. Yeah. If someone rises from the dead like a zombie and says, don't go to hell, it's so awful, <laughs> then they'll go, oh, no, we shouldn't go to hell. We'll love God. Jesus says again, no, he has Moses and the prophets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What that means is God has said Everything that he needs to say that is sufficient for our salvation in the scriptures. Yeah, that there there is nothing else that God could do to convince you. Right. That he is raised and yeah. that and that this is the option. So yeah, the sin. I have I have a little bit of trouble with that aspect because yeah. that negates all responsibility from an individual when yeah. somebody asks a question that way. Yeah. Secondly that question also rejects the sinfulness of humanity. Yeah. That question assumes that everyone is innocent. Yeah. And just a, you know a quick example like if right now we could if you're listening to this podcast a faithful podcast listener if we could uh, put this USB cord into your brain, and for the next 60 seconds, all of our podcast listeners would hear your thoughts over the past 24 hours. Unadulterated, uncensored, ready, go. Let's do it. Right? Nobody's going to stay on the podcast right? because humanity is broken. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so I think there are two things there that I don't like about that question is that it negates all responsibility and the sending aspect. The third thing is this. This is not God's main desire. Amen. Second Peter 3:9 says, the listen to this description. Yeah. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, mm. not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Mm. God's desire is that no one would perish and that people would hear this good news. And then the third thing that I said is this, or fourth thing, I don't even know what number I'm on now, (laughs) is that we really love to hijack God's attributes and lift them higher than the other. But as soon as we do that, we make an idol out of that thing. What makes God God is that God holds all of these attributes equally. So God is love. Yes, God is love. God is mercy. Yes, God is mercy. But God is justice and God is holiness as well. So I would ask another question back to somebody that said that. If somebody said, how could a loving God send anyone to an eternal punishment? I would say this, how can a loving God let sin go unpunished? Mm. What is your answer for that? Yeah. What is your answer for justice and righteousness and a standard in that sense? And listen, it still doesn't negate that this is an easy question to digest, guys. This is a watershed question. This is where people bail on Christianity. This is hard. I get it. But I just beseech you to press in. Yeah. Don't don't bow out in that That's sense.
0: Good. That's good. Nick, you got a bunch, you got a mess of questions.
2: My questions are so good and they are so practical. So one of the first questions. Are these questions that people sent you? Some of them are, yes. This is great. Some of them are. Awesome. Um, what more about hell that you wanted because we are in, in a time crunch. We've mm. only got so long. So what yeah. more? Did you want to say, but you couldn't? Or you yep. felt like maybe this is eh, good. I can't. This is good. But I really want to. So you're in a safe place. You're in a room with me and Tyler. Yeah, no th- one's listening. And everyone
0: gets to hear.
1: I <laughs> would. I would explore what C.S. Lewis started in The Great Divorce, which is hell actually starts now. Mm. just like heaven does.
2: I think that's my problem with the stats Tyler read earlier is people are more apt to believe in heaven and they can believe in good things that they can't tangibly see, but there's bad things that happen here and they don't believe in living there as long. I just, that boggles my brain.
1: um, He talks about, I'm trying to find this quote real quick. He talks about this concept. Here it is right here. Let me find it. It is not a question of God, quote, sending us to hell. In each of us, there is something growing up, which will of itself be hell unless it is nipped in the bud. Mm. And what he is saying is that is what sin is mm-hmm. and what Jesus puts to death in us is that power of sin. And so for me, it would be, and and then he goes on to say later on in the great divorce, that that the road to hell is a gradual decline. It is not a sudden rebellion, but it starts, he literally says this, it starts with a grumbling mood. Mm. And then that grumbling mood leads to bitterness. And then bitterness leads to unforgiveness, and then unforgiveness leads to rage, and then rage leads to... And it's this just gradual... And so I think bridging the application, I I wish I could have spent more time in regards to that and the challenging of the people about the the darkness and the absence of God. I mean, Mm. I read the Rebecca McCullough quote.
2: Yeah, that was really good.
1: But... So a lot, of, a lot of theologians debate, is hell the absence of God? Because David says, even in Sheol, I can't go to hide from your presence. Mm-hmm. So even in death, I can't hide from you. Is it the absence of God or is it the presence of God in his full wrath? Oh. That's a significant question. And I think either are awful and mm-hmm. so I will leave it to the theologians in that sense. But I think some of those concepts that intrigue me, um, you know, I would like to speak for a couple hours, but okay. the kids' side, nursery workers would get mad at me um, on a Sunday morning doing that.
2: We love you. Yeah. Um, and actually, we felt like you finished early this week. It I was, did. Yeah, it was I wild. Um, okay, so switching gears from the deeper, more unanswerable opinions, let's get into some very practical things. Lucifer and Satan. Mm-hmm. Same person?
1: Yes. Okay. So there's a little bit that of... That was amb- a debate. Yeah, sure. So there's a little bit of ambiguity in that, but, you know, again, guys, gosh, this is like the nuance stuff, man. Right. This is where we don't have a lot, but we do understand at some point, I fall in the category that while God is creating the universe, Satan or Lucifer gets jealous at that creation because all of it is to worship God, and Lucifer wants to be God rather than worship God. So then Jesus, Jesus, by the way, Jesus says, "...I saw him fall like lightning, and he sweeps a third of the angels with him." and that he is in a place of t- complete and total separation from God. And then in between those days, he enters into the garden in order to tempt Adam and Eve in regards to that. But yes, in the scriptural understanding, the devil, Satan, Lucifer, all of that is synonymous with the same being.
2: Okay, we've got, we've got a lot of new believers, and I love that they're coming to, like, I love these practical questions. The as much as I love the deep... I do love the Absolutely. The just hey wait a minute. Um and then on that same kind of token is this the same Lazarus mm. from the story yeah, sure you're on where Jesus wept?
1: Right. So this no, it's not, but Lazarus was like Bill. <laughs> okay, back then the name was really really common because the name means God helps me. Mm. And so often when you would ha- if it's a male and a baby was born, that's a big deal for your family. That means your lineage is going to—your name, your all of that. And so oftentimes, people would be like, God has helped us. Let's name them Lazarus. So no. And again, this is a parable. But I think personally that it's a bit more than a parable because he names Lazarus in it. Yeah. And I think that's significant as well. So not the same person. Not the, not same, the person. same person. Mm-hmm. Yep. Great okay. question.
2: Okay. Um, you answered the difference, Purgatory, Hades, and those. Those. I'm glad you answered that yeah, early sure. on because those were questions and that again, I got guys, a couple of different ways.
1: This is really vague stuff, okay? Yeah. So I could only take you to a handful of scriptures that give us some insight into this. I'm really leaning pretty heavy on church history and what you know church history has sort of taught now when you go back to augustine and those guys they teach some crazy stuff okay <laughs> i mean they got some weird stuff out there so i'm really just kind of like this is where christianity's generally landed so yeah
2: okay um you spoke a few minutes ago about the thief on the cross yep okay so i've heard him say Anyone hanging next to Jesus gets a pass. <laughs> I would like for him to go a little more in depth about that.
1: Okay. this is These people really listen. This they is pay crazy. attention to you. Yeah. God, that's terrifying because I say some offhanded stuff sometimes. Well,
2: let me get a little deeper. I, well, I, I, I,
1: yeah, I know what they're referencing. I always say this when I teach on baptism.
2: Yeah, because that's where they were going.
1: Yep. So oftentimes we hold a very high view of baptism at Westside. Now, we're not baptizing babies, though there was one point in my life where I had Roman under the faucet, like, am I going to do this? (laughs) Am I going to do this? Well, I'm not. I'm still very Baptistic and I'm proud of it. And so is Spurgeon and all those guys. So we hold baptism very high. And I believe that baptism um, is baby steps for the new believer. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's a sign of God's grace, this, that, and the other. I always get hit in Southeast Missouri with, well, you ain't got to be baptized and go to heaven. I'm like, you're right. You don't. That's great. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But also the New Testament knows nothing. There is only one person in the entire New Testament Who is with Jesus in heaven who didn't get baptized? Yep. And guess who it is?
2: The thief on the cross.
1: So I always say the next time you're crucified next to Jesus, (laughs) you get
2: that pass. You don't have
1: to be baptized. Okay. (laughs) So that's so great that they asked that. I love it.
2: And I love that, I love that where she was coming from because I know this person well. What about those on their deathbeds? Mm. For sure. That's where she said, you know, in moments, whether it be accidental Mm -hmm. or then of those who are maybe long-term illness. Yeah. They haven't came to Christ, even though like, say we've been visiting with them and it is a long-term illness. And they make that decision moments before passing. Mm -hmm. Still the same pass.
1: Yeah. So we're getting into some, what's really close now is like. Stillborn births. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's mental illnesses and those types of things. Suicide
2: was one that came up in that same area. Yeah.
1: And so I'll I'll do this. I will quote Billy Graham. There you go. And Billy said, I am not God. It is not my job. It's God's job to judge. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. And it's my job to love. I will say this though. The opening pages and the closing pages of scripture show the goodness and kindness of God. Mm -hmm. And I think, yes, God's holiness and his justice and his wrath are far greater than what we could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. Okay, I will say that. In the same breath, I will say his goodness, his mercy, and his majesty are far greater than what we could imagine. And there's one illustration that when the disciples are with Jesus, and they're trying to get Jesus to go to another town. And here's Jesus just playing with kids. And the disciples are like, please, parents, can you, Bill, come get your kid. Like, hey, buddy, don't do that right now. That's hey, Jesus's go robe. Food, hey, buddy, that's God's robe. Don't get all over him right now. <laughs> and Jesus rebukes the disciples mm-hmm. and says, no, sir, I always have time for this because such is the kingdom of heaven. Well, what do those kids represent? They represent helplessness, vulnerability, can't contribute, not of a sound mind, any of those things. And Jesus says, this is the kind of God I am. I receive these people. And so I trust it and leave it at that. I think there's some scriptural evidence when David's son dies Mm -hmm. uh, in the Bathsheba incident, David says, you cannot come to me, but I will go to you. I think that's pretty significant. Um, on a lot of those things. And so to answer that question that comes later down the road, I answered it that way. Yeah. To answer these, um, I am 100% fine with a deathbed confession. I don't... Mm-hmm. Guys, we're not... Like, who's the hall monitor?
2: Right. <laughs> I, I have yet to see. Yeah. You,
1: yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And so we're going to love, we're going to pray, we're going to do whatever, any of those things. Again, it's God's job to judge. To, to the person who thinks like, oh no, suicide, or it was a car wreck, or I would just ask you this question. Why did you wake up a Christian hmm. Oh, today? What kept you a Christian from last night when you went to bed to when you woke up this morning? Was it your consciousness of thought? God, I hope not, okay? Because <laughs> some of us have awful dreams, okay? Right. By grace, you have been saved through faith, for it is not of your own doing, so no man can boast. I believe that we're saved by the grace of God. I believe the grace of God sustains us. And I believe the grace of God will ultimately usher us in. So I think God's grace is a lot bigger than what we can imagine in those moments to answer it that way.
2: I think that's a great way to answer it and get into the application that you mm-hmm. gave us yeah. with.
0: That's great. Well, I, I loved your, your closing thoughts. For Christians, this life is as close to hell as you'll ever get. Yeah, man. And so what are you doing to ensure that hell is less populated? It's
1: important. This is the ultimate yeah. brokenness, guys. Yeah. I think we, guys, I think we highly undersell the brokenness of this place. Yeah. I mean, the, it's rampant. It's the yeah. enemy is to and fro seeking whom to devour. Yeah. And why is the new Testament talking so much about suffering and don't give up and keep on going because it's hell here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But for us as believers, man, you've got to know this is as close yeah. to hell as you will ever get. Yeah. And what are we doing with that? Yeah. Like I, I almost gave this illustration, but I didn't, I've done it in the past. So, um, pen and Teller. Yeah. Um, I think it's Penn, the one that speaks. Mm-hmm.
0: Penn Gillette. Yes.
1: Penn Jillette posted a YouTube video one night right after a meet and greet. It's got a ton of viral views. And, and so Penn Jillette is an outspoken atheist. Yeah. Very outspoken very, yeah, about that. Very. But very smart, very willing to engage Christians. Yeah. A man came up after, after the show, spent a ton of time with him, was super nice, and then gave him a Bible. And yeah. he said, Penn, I know your stance. I am a Christian, and I love you. I love your art, and it would break my heart if you died and spent eternity separated from the God that gave you such an ability. So here's a Bible. I've marked some pages. So you think that the YouTube video is going to be Penn railing against that guy, and it's just the opposite. Penn gets on, describes the encounter, and then says this, my beef is not with that guy. Yeah. That guy loved me enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To tell me th- what he actually believed. And then he says this, if you actually believe there's an eternal hell where people will get punished forever and you don't tell me about it, how much do you hate me in order to yeah. do that? Yeah. And dude, that's a non-believer yeah. showing up Christians. Yeah. And so the way that I used to talk to students about this was Guys, you confide in your friends about the girl you love or your parents getting a divorce or I'm talking real stuff, yeah. real emotional stuff, and we can't ask them. Like, like I remember when I had first gotten saved, talking to my friends that I had partied with, and my line is so cheesy. Gosh, it's so cheesy. It's all I knew, okay? It's all yeah. I knew, and it was, you know, Philip, I love you guys we've had so much fun partying that I want to party with you forever. And I would just fumble and like, I get emotional. Like I would just fumble trying to tell them about Jesus. And like, I know that I was JJ and like this type of stuff, but I don't know, man. I really think God's like saved me and like done some stuff. And I would just try to say, I had fun partying with you on earth I want to party with you in heaven. Yeah. And I think he was high. So, <laughs> you know, so, but man, we've got to, I don't know, yeah. we've got to share it, man. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, the big idea was Jesus experienced hell and the wrath of God, so you wouldn't have to. Yep. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, I'm just going to close this out in Psalm 23. It just seemed appropriate, it came to my mind. The yeah. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever.
1: Amen. Amen.
0: Amen and amen. Man, this was a good one today. This was a good one. We're do, we're moving into part 3. Uh, part... of what happens after I die or part two of where do I go after I die <laughs> next week uh, talking a little bit about heaven yes and, uh, goodness gracious I've got heaven yes. questions
2: already yeah. good
0: that's great And then I if, am so
1: excited if to you not... got questions
0: send them in anonymously info yeah. at westsidepb.org and then uh, we'll talk about heaven next week and then what are we going to do when we're there yes. uh, the following week and then um, and then April 17th is Easter Woo! Um, well, so back nice. up two days April 15th uh, Good Friday mm-hmm. we got that going on at the church we'll have more details about that we'll announce that again this week Weekend, and yeah, then Easter Sunday, April seventeenth at ten a.m. We are doing Easter at the Rogers, and guys, we are going to celebrate like Jesus really is alive. Yes, again come this year. On. I already got all the confetti cans. Free ready. admission, <laughs> free
1: concession,
0: <Yeah>. free salvation. <laughs> it's gonna be great. <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. So looking forward to it. I, I don't think I'm missing anything else. Um, nope, I that's it, that's my, my man. Yeah. So thanks for joining us. Uh, as as always, uh, you can catch this anywhere you listen to podcasts. Catch up to catch up on. On sermons, on this podcast. You can also check out our website, um, westsidepb.org, for all of the sermon notes yep. from, from the sermons. If you Especially this series, if you want to follow through that, that's a great resource. And uh, you can catch us live on Facebook Live at 10 a.m. Uh, on Sunday mornings, or you can just come and join us in person and let us see your mug and lift your voice and yep, sing absolutely. and read and all that together. Other than that, that's all we got today. Thank you guys again. May everything we say and do be all about Jesus. We love you, and we'll catch you next time. Yeah.